This week on Retronauts, spoony, adjective, foolishly or sentimentally amorous. Everybody, it's me, Bob Mackey, for Retronauts Live, episode 49. Today's topic is Final Fantasy IV. Uh, but before I continue, let me introduce my cast for today. Who is to my right? Uh, Marty Sleva, associate editor, 1UP. Awesome. Dot Who else? Org. Oh, dot org. Is that a new one? Yeah, it is. Okay, we got that. Yes, nonprofit. <laughs> Who's next? Jose Otero, you don't need my job title. Uh, what are you, Jose? I work here. Who are you? I work here with okay, you. That's yeah. right. Uh, and who else do we have? Jeremy Parrish, and I want to specify that we are not being spoony, especially not with each other. Nope. It is simply a dictionary reference. Spooniness is an HR issue, and Jeremy's got a real gangsta lean going on over there with his uh, DS. Do I? Yes. Uh, please ask your parents, kids, if you want to know more about gangster leaning. Uh, so yeah, today's uh, topic is Final Fantasy IV, partially because I needed something I didn't need to do a lot of research for, but also it's the 21st anniversary. What Yay. a golden uh, age, a year that is. <laughs> Hooray! Wow. That wasn't an actual party horn. <laughs> yeah, that was That's just good. how amazingly versatile my mouth is. Get out the champagne. Final really Fantasy bad. IV is going to be so hungover tomorrow yeah <laughs> crazy it's not even gonna know So yes, it's been a while since we've had like a standard podcast that wasn't either interrupted by E3 or E3 planning, so we're going to be a little more focused this week. So let's talk about what games have been coming out in various digital uh, platforms. So of course, we've been talking about it for the past couple episodes. We had a special episode just about it, kind of in a way, for E3. But uh, Tomba is out for PSN for the uh, sum of $9.99, and it uh, comes highly recommended from all of us, doesn't it? Man, that's yeah. less than $10. That, that is. is. Yeah. Whoa. That penny. If they if they rounded that up, it would seem so much more intimidating, but because <laughs> they went with just three digits instead of four, I'm comfortable. I feel far more compelled to purchase it. Yeah. That was some great marketing. Way to go, Gaijin <laughs> Although there's probably some weird states where you are taxed extra, like New Hampshire... There's a Tomba tax, yeah. <laughs> 5%. Uh, we also Those have... damn Tomba hawks. I hate them. Uh, we also have Double Dragon 2 for Virtual Console. That, that was unexpected. 500 points, obviously. Anyone it's care about, about that game? Yeah, it's about time. That's the best Double Dragon I agree. Game. I love that the one. The best Double Dragon on any platform, any game in the series... Double Dragon 2 for NES is the best. I will wow. go that far. It It's not as buggy as Double Dragon 1. I love the bugs in Double Dragon 1, but it, it also... You can kick guys out of a moving helicopter. I love that level. It's just... It, it's kind of that early set-piece design video game style before it became so stultifying, like, you know, Contra Hardcore style, where right. it's just, okay, you did one thing, now it's on to the next. It doesn't feel like, you know, a series of kind of locked-in set-pieces, but rather... It's uh, you know, kind of the standard brawler, but each each incident is interesting and kind of has its own personality and feel to it. Yeah, and, and it's, no, uh, 
Yeah, it's fast-paced. It controls really well. You have a good move set. Two-player is fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. You can also steal each other's lives. Actually, a good uh, here's a pro tip for you kids. If you want to get all of the second player's lives, but you don't have a second player, start a two-player game, kill the second player. Every time you, you kill him, you'll get his life. And that tip costs you four ninety nine. Hey, kids, be an asshole. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm saying if you want to play by Jungle yourself. Uncle Bob talking here. No, no. This is all, this is totally uh, pro uh, morality. <laughs> I'm in favor of morality, the good kind. So let's move on. What else do we have? Mega Man X two for Virtual Console, eight hundred points. Jeremy, you're our Mega Man. Uh, Mega Man X two never grabbed my attention because uh, Mega Man X was amazing. It was mm-hmm. so refreshing. It was Capcom's way of saying. Hey, you know, we've been doing this Mega Man thing for a while and it's kind of fallen into a rut, but let's radically change everything and let's put just so much love and attention and craftsmanship into every aspect of this game and just give you the most amazing 2D platform shooting experience you could ever imagine. And that's exactly what they delivered. And then Mega Man X2, they were like, yeah, let's just make another sequel. Let's just do that thing we did with the 8-bit games and just give you more of the same. But less interesting than Mega Man X. Yeah, I mean, it it made some attempts to do something interesting. Uh, That was the first time that Zero who died in the first game, came back, which became kind of a running joke because of how ridiculous it was. Mm. Um, and they actually did something interesting with the Zero mechanic, which is that there were these uh, the X-Hunters who were hunting Mega Man X, and to defeat him, they were traveling around the world, finding the uh, lost pieces of Zero so they could reconstruct him to fight Mega Man. And um, I believe if you beat them to the punch for each of Zero's parts... Uh, later in the game, you would uh, be able to, I can't remember if you teamed up with him or what, but basically it changed the outcome. Like you would have a different experience with Zero toward hmm. the end of the game. I did not know depending that. Depending on whether they uh, assembled Zero first or you did. Weird. So that was kind of cool. But otherwise, it was pretty much um, but, just the same uh-uh. old Mega Man X. But I will say that Mega Man X2's greatest legacy is the introduction of Green Biker Dude. Oh, right. Can you explain <laughs> you, uh, more about that? No, I think okay. you, you can't. <laughs> No one can explain what the green biker dude is. You have to experience it for yourself. He has an elaborate backstory. Red pill, blue pill. Right. Take, um, take one. Green pill. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just look up green biker dude. I think you will not be disappointed, Internet. Yes. I'm telling you this. But I think, from I mean, my heart. Mega Man X2 is disappointing, but as it stands in the 8X games, it's probably one of the higher points, would you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. it's no Mega Man X7, that's for damn sure. <laughs> That's that's a good thing. So let's move on. We also have Donkey Kong, uh, sorry, not Donkey Kong Country, but Donkey Kong Jr., for the eShop, I don't know how much that is. Like, apparently, it's like five bucks. Yeah, and if you were a 3DS ambassador, you you already have that game. You've been I playing that it. game for years. Yeah. <laughs> you you played it for five minutes last year and said, "Well, that's boring." That first stage was fun. Touched it since. <laughs> uh, we also have Mad Dog McCree for Christ's sake wow. for the Nintendo 3DS eShop. Well, uh, I need to I need to buy that. I got to see how that works. It can't be good. No, it can't. That's why I have to buy it. So yes, uh, apparently we we're gonna say yes to Tomba Double Dragon Two and. Maybe on Mega Man X2, and I'm guessing Donkey Kong Country... God damn it, I can't do it. Donkey Kong Jr. and Mad Dog McCree, uh, probably not. But Mad Dog McCree, if you're uh, you know morbidly curious about that, I say go for it. If you like Mad Dog McCree, just buy Gunslinger, and you get oh, Mad Dog McCree in it. With Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah, exactly. In a, in a starring role, Absolutely. or for a full role. Jake Lloyd, what? Yep. Yes. <laughs> I think you forgot something. What did we forget? Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Uh, help me out here. Metal Gear, the Metal oh. Gear HD collection. Oh, you can you can have Metal Gear One and Two, and also Metal Gear Solid Two and Three. 
but who cares about those? Okay. On your on your Vita, that's amazing. That is cool. I've been playing Metal Gear. I forgot 1, that we have a review of that. Version that Jose wrote. Why did yeah. no one stop me until now? I don't know. I didn't realize because it, uh, it looked so I was, pretty. I was so stunned from the Mad Dog McCree thing that I I was kind of incoherent for a minute. Left but uh, Jose does not regret buying uh, Metal Gear Solid Three. What is it? Six times now. Uh, six times. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But uh, it's cool to play one and two uh, on a portable because um, just those are games. I don't know. I can't play them on my television. Mm. It just seems weird to me. That's um, bizarre. Yeah. Can you explain your rationale? No. You played these games five times before in your no, television. No, no. I'm talking about the original game, the uh, original Metal okay. Gear, and uh, Solid Snake. Um, I don't know. They just they kind of fit better for me as portable games. I agree. Versus two and three, actually. Two and three. If you try to play those on a commute, um, the the amount of involvement you need to kind of pay attention and slowly like sneak around. You'll miss your stop. <laughs> You'll miss a couple of stops. That's what it seems like. Uh, yeah, you don't have enough time if your commute is very short, so I don't know. Well, now we are all aware of that. How much is that, by the way, for Vita? Uh, 35 if you download it. I think 40 if you didn't. Yeah. That's not bad yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, I kind of disappointing that Peace Walker's not on there for some reason. No, but, yeah, um, that's I mean, kind of the letdown. It's weird because it's also available digitally, maybe, for yeah, the Vita. It, is so it? if you buy it, it through is. your PS3, okay. you can yeah. zap it over to your Vita. It's still not on the PS uh, Vita's uh, dedicated Sony's so dumb store. about that. Yeah. Yeah, there's some weird, like, licensing or who knows what. Also, oh, well. uh, it's not retro, but Gunnir came out last week for Vita, or for PSP. PSP, yeah. And you can't put it on Vita yet because apparently... There's some sort of like approvals process it has to go through. So I'd really like to play that game, but I'm like cracking out a PSP so I can I can carry another system around with me just to play another game. Yeah. My God, my God, what are they doing? I don't know. I, I I bought Tomba and I want to play it on the go, and I have to bring my PSP. It's ridiculous. Mm, Jesus, yeah. coming soon. They promised. Yeah, yeah. with Wonderbook. Wonderbook. <laughs> Let's move on to our main topic, Final Fantasy IV. Uh, it was released July 19th, 1991 in Japan, November 23rd, 1991 in America, and it was the first SNES RPG, no. at least that we saw. No. Yes. Oh, what what came before straight it? Straight up? Um, Nothing. <laughs> November 1991? Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was... Between August and November, were there sure any... Draken didn't come out first? Um, I don't even know how to spell that. Draken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Draken was a 92 game. Uh, Final Fantasy know, 2. Kimko Seiko was there. They were at the cutting edge. They were also at E3, and they seemed very uh, reluctant to talk to me about anything. This year? Yeah. Were they, like, selling, like, iPhone porn games? Kemco, uh, there was no Seika. It was just Kemco, and they were selling... Oh uh, what happened to Seika? I don't know. Out. Someone needs to investigate this. Seika's buried under some floorboards. But <laughs> it was probably the first uh, uh, RPG for the SNES that we saw. Maybe not for Japan, but um, it was pretty uh, momentous. I'm um, pretty sure there was one before, but it was the first one that anyone cares about. Yes. Kind of like how Suikoden was not the first PlayStation RPG to come to America, but it was the first one that didn't suck. Exactly. And at that point in time, it was still, um, I guess we could say probably until Final Fantasy VII, RPGs were not a sure thing for, you know, Americans, at least in the console world. Would you, would you agree with me? Yeah. Um, although Nintendo made some, some genuine efforts to bring RPGs over during the Super NES That era. is true, yeah. Everyone thinks about Earthbound and, and uh, how the fart-scented ad somehow didn't sell the game to people. 
but they published actually a number of RPGs in the U.S. and those special big boxes. Yeah, um, like Illusion of Gaia? Yeah, Illusion of yeah. Gaia is the one that I'm definitely thinking of, but there were a few others, and there was kind of some weird swappery going around. Uh, for instance, we didn't get Final Fantasy V because Square Enix, well, Squaresoft at the time, said, mm, this one's kind of hard, and it might be too confusing for Americans, so let's bring over Breath of Fire instead, because it's prettier. So mm. they localized Capcom's Breath of Fire, and that's why you can't get Breath of Fire on Virtual Console, because Square owns the rights to the U.S. localization. You can get Breath of Fire 2. Yes, but Square but didn't bring that. that one. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm just saying the original is not on Virtual Console, because right. pretty much, I'm pretty sure, because of the rights that issues. That is a bizarre choice of, that yeah. they made. But... I remember uh, a, a Nintendo Power spread on Final Fantasy 2, and just falling in love with it, even though I didn't I didn't really understand RPGs that well at the mm-hmm. time, and didn't, I, like, I played Dragon Quest, but I also had that guide that came with it, so I... I I kind of had someone helping me along. There was a helping hand just following the instructions. Yeah, there, there was a big push uh, for this game, I feel, on Nintendo yeah. Power side, as much yeah, as they would push the, any game. You yeah. remember the uh, the dude on the flying chocobo holding his sword aloft as they hovered over a forest and the guy didn't actually look like Cecil? All the, yeah, all the uh, completely <laughs> inaccurate art. I think uh, Rydia had oh, some yeah. pretty hideous... She's like a 50-year-old trucker or not trucker but like a woman who lives in a trailer park yeah. and smokes a lot <laughs> and um Palom and were just amazing. like it was like Tweedledee and Tweedledum yeah there were some real I mean they're kind of weird looking in their uh Amano designs but not that grotesque mm-hmm. so I guess I wanted to ask what our relationship with this game is Jose you told us about it um for me um and one of our commenters had the same uh feelings and I'll read that later but for me I had played RPGs before I was nine when this game came out by the way so I think at that point my brain was ready for what an RPG wanted of it of it and me uh, I had played Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest before and they didn't really stick with me I thought the idea of an RPG was pretty cool but nothing about it like made me want to stick around but this game did and I think I've said it before on the show that um, I originally got into this game because I watched my stepdad playing through it. And, like, the story hooked me. I know it's, like, a completely uh, uh, mistranslated and very, very simplistic story, but I was hey, a nine-year-old nine kid. Old? Yeah, I was going to say, that's No, that, that story was written for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least the original English localization was written for you. So, like, you I don't understand really what they're saying. You didn't really quite understand yeah. how English worked at that point. Yeah. It's like, these words seem to make sense. For me, this is what I compared it to, and uh, Jeremy said had some problems. I'm not sure if he did or not. But uh, I was like, this is my Star Wars, pretty much. I did not see Star Wars as a kid for some reason. It managed to elude me until I was, like, wow. 15. Holy I don't know how shit. that happened. Uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, guys who like Star Wars. But uh, I feel like this game had the same effect as Star Wars had on me. Like, I, I will play in, in, like, through every re-release... Uh, it has a very simplistic story, largely borrowed from Star Wars, obviously, mm. with light and dark elements and Although, stuff like that. Although, they did call the airship the Enterprise, uh, so there's a little love going to all the Wars sci-fi and track. <laughs> But to me, it was a very simple story that resonated uh, with me as a kid, and it is, like I said, my Star Wars. I'm not super crazy into the lore of Final Fantasy IV, if any exists, <laughs> but I think I appreciate Final now more than ever. In. Uh, it's like techno- technological and space limitations, but the fact that the world is so simple, and uh, as we talked about on an earlier podcast, you don't have to read, you know, um, an in-game encyclopedia to figure out what the hell's going on or what these things are that people are saying. I appreciate that even more so now. So I don't know, Marty, Jeremy, how did you get into this game, or did you get into this yeah, game? Yeah, I, w- I was a lot later to it. Uh, I was pretty young when it came out, and uh, you know, my my, my first like uh, full dive into RPGs were uh, like Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana and Illusion of Gaia and Earthbound. Um, and so I didn't revisit this, I think, until um, I bought a used copy, probably after I even after the N sixty four came out. Mm. So it might have been right before. Tom Hasey 7 that I revisited it and uh, yeah I, I agree with everything you said it's very uh, simple and quaint and that was nice uh, 
But in terms of the Super Nintendo RPGs, I feel like I may have appreciated it a lot more had I played it before I played the games that were vastly superior to it. Hmm. Jeremy? I had this weird mental block uh, <laughs> when I was, uh, you know, back in the early Super NES era, until basically until Secret of Mana and Final Fantasy III. Um, I thought RPGs were kind of cool, and I would rent them, and I would borrow them from friends, but I was always like... I can't own this game. It's it's too like it's too far beyond me, um, <laughs> and I, I blame that on the the Legend of Zelda and the the ads that they had a never ending adventure new for your Nintendo Entertainment System and the fact that it came in a gold package. I was just like, oh, RPGs they're for like rich people and like <laughs> smart people. I can't play these games, so I would play them but just never own them. So Final Fantasy IV, uh, I rented, I don't know for like three days. Uh, back when it first came out and I first got a Super NES and uh, made it all the way to Zemus and died horribly and didn't play it again until, uh, I don't know, like 1998. I finally sat down with an emulator and played through the game and finally beat Zemus and Zeromus. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> took me, what, like seven years? But I did it, by God. Finally beat that guy. So, so yeah, I, I thought it was kind of neat, but... Um, also, I didn't think the story made any sense because mm. at that point, like, I understood grammar. So right. <laughs> I was like, what is happening here? It wasn't until um, the GBA re-release, uh, Final Fantasy IV Advance, and the re retranslation of that, that I finally sat down and said, oh, so that's what the story is all about. Okay, cool. Mm. So you seem pretty fond of the game, though, right? Are yeah, you still I fond like it. of it? Uh, I mean, you I've... wrote our uh, our retrospective that ran late early this year, actually. I, I linked to that in the blog post for calling out for comments for this. But um, I read it today, and it's still really good. I mean... Well, like, how do you feel about it in comparison to the other uh, Super Nintendo Final Fantasies? Um, I feel like it's definitely the least mechanically interesting. Mm. Um, it's the most linear and offers the least amount of freedom. I like the the advanced version of the game because it gives you all this like total open, freeform play once you've kind of gotten to the end of the game. Um, but at the same time, I recognize the fact that it was really, really monumental. Like, it was a huge step forward in the genre and just in the the concept of presenting a story through a console game right um we will but, get to that but, in one you know, second actually yeah the uh like compared to the mechanics of final fantasy 5 and just the sheer scope of final fantasy 6 it's definitely kind of a distant third mm, okay uh i want to know let's say this is okay we're back to what if we <laughs> if, if you guys don't mind <laughs> we're gonna go back to what if we uh, Final Fantasy uh, 1 came out in um, Japan in 1987. It came out here in 1990. Let's say Square or Nintendo decided to bring this game out, um, the first Final Fantasy out, the same year it came out in Japan or maybe a year after. And let's say they also decided to bring out 2 and 3, the Japanese 2 and 3. Do you think 4 would have had as great of an impact on us or would have the actual legitimate Final Fantasy 2, not the Final Fantasy 2 that we got, would that have killed the series in America completely? Um, what do you guys think about that? Personally, I think that it would have had the same amount of impact because it was a significant leap over Final Fantasy 3. But I think it would have been a different kind of impact because uh, if they had released 2 and 3 here, then they probably wouldn't have created the, the dumbed-down easy type for the U.S. Mm. So we would have actually gotten Final Fantasy 4 with all its proper mechanics in place, and it would have actually been challenging as opposed to a game that you can beat in 12 hours without really trying. Mm. Okay. How do you guys feel about that? Wait, what, what mechanics were removed? Um, for Final Fantasy 4, the U.S. version... They made it easier, uh, like just changed the balance yeah. of, of combat. But they also stripped out all of the characters' secondary abilities. So like uh, Cecil is a Dark Knight uh, in the original game can use something called Dark Wave, which takes like a tenth of his hit points to create an attack that hits all enemies. Mm -hmm. They took that out for the U.S. version. Oh, um, they also compacted 
all uh, curative items like gold needles and eye drops and that sort of thing into something just called a remedy that was a cure-all and it was oh, okay. really easy to come by. Um, yeah, just in general, it yeah. was a much, yeah. much easier game. They, they took, took out, out summons too. Uh, no, they didn't. I thought they did. Radio was still there. Uh, they didn't take out the ability. They took out certain summons that you could get in the game. Oh, yeah, they? they did. I don't remember that. And which actually, ones, there I just read today. Which ones did they take out? Uh, there's a there's like an alternate Chocobo summon. Hmm. I remember that they're in the GBA version. They're in everything that came out after that. And there's also there's also a, a legitimately easier version that came out in Japan that's even easier than our version. Uh, Final Fantasy IV Easy Type. Yeah. It's even easier than what we got. It's like everything that we got, plus like the weapons do more damage, you level up quicker, It's actually just the movie you watch. <laughs> All <laughs> monsters are made out of plush. Yummy. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Jeremy was hinting at this earlier. How influential was this game? Um, the cutscenes at this time, for the console world anyway, seem to be the most elaborate of any console game to date. Uh, was narrative headed in this way regardless of what Final Fantasy IV did, or do you think this was an important step that someone had to do? Jeremy's pointing. I'm pointing because... Fantasy Star 2 came out for Genesis before Final Fantasy 4. Oh, snap. And that game had way more sophisticated cutscenes. You were right. They had, like, uh, they, they manga went, style. Yeah, it took the Ninja Gaiden thing and combined that with a console RPG. And, like, Final Fantasy 4, honestly, was a little bit primitive. Hmm. Um, it did have a, a bigger story, and it had a much more dramatic, melodramatic, you might say, story. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Fantasy Star 4 showed that the, the genre was heading in that direction anyway. So... Even without Final Fantasy IV, I think we would still eventually have ended up where we are now, for better or for worse. Hmm. Yeah, it feels like more so uh, the thing that, that's most influential for is the battle system, the ATB. Oh, yeah. I was going to like, like yeah. how did that change things? Because uh, to my recollection, no other battle system had been that, I guess, active, <laughs> to yeah. borrow from its uh, <laughs> terminology. Um, and I don't know. It, like it, You had to... Timing was important. You had to decide, like, if I want to cast a spell it's going to take a few turns but even the turns were sort of this invisible thing that yeah. you weren't sure how long something well, would yeah, take you were never clued into when someone else's turn would come up so it was really kind of cool to have this thing that would show you hey uh i could cast this attack this is how quickly it's going to happen although it, it got better with time for sure right i mean active time battle that system yeah i mean at, at a certain point uh god when was it i don't know at a certain point is in final fantasy 13 jesus is, at any point in the final fantasy series could you tell whose turn it would be next or was this always just something that was sort Before of like... Four, no, I mean, mean right? they, yeah. they would have the, the bars. The bars oh, the bars are there. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah, those, I forgot about that. Those came into, the, into being with Final Fantasy V. Yeah. I would say, actually, Final Fantasy IV has the most nuanced uh, take on ATB, but at the same time, it gives you the least amount of information. Yeah, it does. It's really I a shame that the they, they stripped out a lot of what made ATB so interesting with the subsequent games. Um, in Final Fantasy IV, summons... Well, just any, any kind of non-attack skill had a certain like duration to it there was kind of a charge up on and the the more powerful the spell you used the longer of a trade-off there was but in the original versions of the game there was no status bar indicator to show like how long it would take the, yeah. the more recent versions actually add that in so you can see like when you cast cure four that it's going to take basically an entire round of combat mm -hmm. but there was no way to see that before subsequent games actually took out the the kind of lead up time on actions and you would choose an action and they would just queue up and things would be executed immediately afterwards which um i i think that you know the trade-off there was things felt faster but there was less strategic depth to the subsequent final fantasy games hmm. so in some ways i i would say final fantasy 4 might have the best combat system in the entire series that wow. is a provocative statement <laughs> but i i, I like okay, it a lot final fantasy 10 okay <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, how did you guys feel about ATB? And had you played any RPGs before that didn't have it? I don't think, Marty, you're saying you didn't. No, certainly Okay. Not. Well, uh, Jose. I mean, I, I, yes, because I went back to it late. Right. And so, you know, I, I played, you know, six and even Chrono Trigger after that. So I knew what was going on. Yeah, I was going to say that's the one time I remember really uh, getting into it was by Chrono Trigger because it wasn't Chrono Trigger, right? I'm not, I'm not crazy. You could set it to active or wait. Chrono Trigger yes. has Active yeah. Time Battle 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it the evolution of ATB. Mm-hmm. And you can choose to be active or to wait. Yeah. Passive battle time. Passive, Passive battle. Time battle. Passive time battle. <laughs> yes. Um, um, yeah, I don't I don't think I'd ever played an RPG that had that kind of real-time mechanic to it. Um, uh, everything before that was very turn-based. And I don't even think I'd played a game where everything was broken out into individual turns as opposed to group turns. So, like, you know, the original Final Fantasy, you would queue up commands for your entire side and then everyone would trade right. blows. That was pretty much how RPGs worked in the past, and Actor Time Battle, battle, sorry, <laughs> whoops, whoops, self promotion. Uh, <laughs> Actor Time Battle um, didn't just add sort of a real time element to it, but it also uh, changed up how combat turns worked, giving uh, each character uh, sort of action priorities and a number of moves based on their uh, their speed stat. Whereas previous games basically. If you had a really fast character, they got more moves per round. Mm. So you'd have like a black belt in the original Final Fantasy That's hitting right. 32 yeah. times in one round of combat instead of getting 32 moves for everyone else's four moves or whatever. Mm. is still great about Final Fantasy IV. Uh, for me, it's a story. Like I said, simplicity, I feel, is a lost art. And a lot of uh, what could have been complex is definitely held back by uh, technological restrictions. I was just reading today that they wanted the script to be longer, but they couldn't. Even in Japanese, they, they, there were certain limitations. Um, that's basically it for me. I mean, it still remains really playable. And I've said in the past that um, I've sworn off playing the game because I've played it so many times. But just writing up the notes for this episode and thinking about it makes me want to play through it again. Because it's not a huge commitment. It feels like it's, it's so streamlined. And as much as I complain about things being streamlined and linear, there's something about this game that's very comfort foodie it could be a nostalgic thing it could be just the way it's structured but i feel like it's paced very well and the story beats are always they always change things significantly enough for you to want to continue i think um penny arcade adventures episode three kind of draws off of that uh that game approach where there's not much fat to it it's very much you've got an rpg experience there's not a lot of kind of lateral move to waste time on so you're always pushing forward, and um, yeah, I don't know. There's something to be said for that. I do like games that just let me wander around and do whatever I want, but I think Final Fantasy IV did strike a pretty good balance of giving you more freedom, more latitude to explore the further you got into the game. Um, I mean, there are subquests, but they're not necessary, and they come pretty late, right. and you're free to just leave them behind. Yeah, and you might not even know about them. Yeah. Um, but actually, I think the best thing about the game is the little numbers that pop up over the enemies. There's a way that the the uh, numbers pop up when you hit enemies that's unique from all of their Final They're Fantasy. They're a little staggered. All yeah, all okay. of their games. It kind of has this ripple effect, and they kind of bounce. And it I don't know. There's something about that that I love so much. It's such a stupid. <laughs> is that Nasir? 
It's uh, Nasir Gabelli. Was he still with Square at that uh, point? I don't think he did any programming on Final Fantasy IV. Okay, because those little like weird like I don't know, those little Quirks. flourishes or feel like something that he would do. Yeah, I mean, later games just kind of give you the numbers, but Final Fantasy IV, they kind of like hop out. No, I like that then, too. And then they yeah. they bounce once to come to a rest. And there's that ripple effect. I, I don't know. It's so stupid. <laughs> Something but we said I love about that. Uh, interesting UI. Like we were just complaining about Nino Kuni, how it just like it looks like word a word document like mm-hmm. pasted on the screen. Well, Helvetica's free. Let's use that. <laughs> Boot it up. Uh, what do you guys think is still great about Final Fantasy IV, or do you think nothing is still great about? Was it? it? Uh, did Did Final Fantasy III have like a, a legitimate main character, like a notable? No, it had the four onion knights. Onion, okay. Yeah. So was uh, this was the first Final Fantasy that had it was Cecil? Nope. No, uh, Final Fantasy 2 had Freenel. Freenel. I can't remember who he was. Yeah, there were like yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. the main character, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, because I, I was going to say, I forgive you. <laughs> 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 I forgive you for changing history mid sentence. Um, but I mean, Final Fantasy 2, the Japanese version, feels like a skeleton of what, at least <clears> narratively, yes. the mechanics yeah. are very, very different. Yeah, yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Opening. I mean, it's basically Final Fantasy 1, but with named characters instead of the four warriors yeah, of light. Yeah. Final Fantasy 4, um, I said this in a, lo- in a long time ago in a podcast when Final Fantasy 3 first came out. It might have been the very first Retronauts, actually. <laughs> um, Final Fantasy 4 is basically fan fiction of Final Fantasy 3. Because Final Fantasy 3 gives you these blank slate characters. You have four characters, and you have all these classes. You play Final Fantasy 4, and it's like... You have all of those classes, but they all have a function within the game. So the Dark Knight class, that's Cecil. And then later he becomes the Paladin class. Yep. Uh, just, and just about every class from Final Fantasy III is, is represented except maybe like the Viking. But, you know, you have Redia who starts out as the Evoker, and then later she becomes a full summoner. Mm. You have um, Rosa, who is an archer slash white mage. Uh, you have the Sage class, which is um, Tella. Mm-hmm. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So just about every every class has kind of an analog from Final Fantasy three over to Final Fantasy four. So it's taking this sort of freeform RPG like classic tabletop D and D style sandbox and focusing it into something that has much more of a story emphasis and is much more of kind of like a guided linear experience right. for the player. I don't know if you said this, but even the, even the concept of a class change is tied to the narrative, like mm-hmm. uh, Cecil's uh, move and from that Dark was, Knight you know, to Paladin. That was a, a Final Fantasy tradition. Mm. Uh, the original Final Fantasy, you got the rat tail, and it would That's let you right, upgrade. Yeah. Final Fantasy three, uh, you would get new crystals, and you could change your job class. But yeah, that, that became sort of a key story moment for one character. Mm-hmm. Or I, I guess two, if you want to consider Rydia different. Yeah, she, becomes, she gets more so, like, black she loses, magic. Well, she loses the ability to cast white magic. Yeah in the when she comes back from the world of the summons oh uh, yeah i remember really falling in love with the the visual style of it i mean it was a game that when it came out i could not own it so i i kind of admired it from afar uh through pictures but i just always <laughs> was uh was in love with how it looked and with uh like when you see um sort of the tower uh where cecil goes from the black knight to the paladin and and sort of the visual style there and then some of the later areas of the game um I I'm not recalling like the specifics, but there was just something about it that like you do I go, really really liked. You do go inside of a giant robot. That's true too. That marches yeah, yeah. through the world. Yeah, that's and, pretty cool. Uh, and even um, playing it, uh, what did they do? The complete collection where they kind of cleaned up all that sprite work. Like it, it looked really good. I thought I mm-hmm. liked it. You are squinting at me because <laughs> I probably played he grimaced, it without glasses. Like the yeah. character that bears that name. Hey, yeah. everyone, let's have a milkshake. Yeah, I oh. liked it, but I, I may be alone there. I mean, okay, that versus the DS version. Which one? 
Which one do you which one do you prefer? Let's get I, to that question oh, later. I have an entire question about this. Jumped ahead. Yes. What have you done? You're, you're uh, breaking... I did not get a copy of something, the notes. <laughs> something that Final Fantasy IV did do that I think was new for the series was the introduction of biblical references. Hell yeah. The Tower oh. of Babel. Okay. And what else was there? Uh that was pretty much it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> what was that robot named? Uh hmm. wasn't it just called like the robot of Babel. Oh, maybe. <laughs> they have know. one reference. They spread it all around the game. Pretty much. Hi, I'm Babel. Well, wasn't this is my wasn't son the Babel. robot inside the tower? And then it uh, marched I out. think so. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yes. The, the game took place on Earth, right? Is that, is that right? Or like a, no, because it was a world planet. with mysterious two two mysterious moons. Oh, okay. One mm-hmm. of which flew away later. Yeah. Well, Gold, am, I, am I spoiling anything here? Golbez <laughs> is like. I'm so sorry about beating up my brother. Now I'm going to fly away in search of happiness on this entire moon. Wasn't that what happened in real life? Yeah, yeah, that's where the second moon went. Yeah. yeah. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, what hasn't aged well? Speaking of the moon, I, I hate that section of the game so much. It's even worse <laughs> than the DS. <laughs> the music is uh, grows on you a little bit, but... Uh... <laughs> I did not finish the DS version of the game because I think, I mean, they beefed up the challenge in general on that game, and the moon was just, like, impenetrable. It's just like, get ready to grind, because that's what you do (laughs) on the moon. Uh, That's that's it for me. How about you guys? Like, I don't know if you played it recently, but that part has not aged well for me, because the game feels like it's paced very well until the moon, and then it's just, like, you have to grind for a certain amount of time. Not not in the original version of the game. Hmm. I haven't played that one recently. Maybe I guess, just the DS I guess in one the, the lunar subterranei, um, when you go into the final dungeon, there are some really tough enemies, and it doesn't hurt to grind. And if you want to beat Ogopogo or whatever they changed its name to, mm. what 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 is that? Ogopogo. <laughs> well, they they called it Ogopogo in the original, but maybe it's a uh, it's not Shinryu, it's not Leviathan. I don't know what it is. Chupon. Yeah, Chupon, the Chupon coupons. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have to. You pretty much have to grind to be able to beat that thing because it's really strong. Maybe it is Leviathan. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway. No, wait. Leviathan's the thing that sinks the ship in the ocean. That's right. Someone send us your psychic energy in the next 20 minutes. It was Ogopogo in the original US version, and Squaresoft named its company newsletter after it. And there was even an ad like Ogopogo awaits you or whatever on one page, and you flip the page, and it was like him as the monster. Oh, yeah. How about that? Yeah, in like magazines. Do you remember when when video game publishers used to mail out little newsletters? Yeah, I subscribed to a bunch of them. Yeah. Sunsoft, I don't remember who else. I had American Sammy's newsletter for Whoa. some reason. Yeah, don't Why? even. I don't know because they offered it. Okay, <laughs> like free. You know, you know, in the back of magazines, it was like check off what uh you know companies are interested in receiving advertisements advertisements from, and I selected like all of them, and I, a lot of stuff showed up to my house. So yes, send me info on LGN games. <laughs> I need to know more about Gotcha the sport. Yes, Jose and Marty, what's bad about Final Fantasy IV? Uh, like I said before, I think my problem was just I came to it late like mm. i came to it with these lofty you know expectations of its predecessors um yeah and then that made it you know just seem archaic hmm. i i think the story hasn't aged well <laughs> um i i play that game now and i just find it weird how something happened I, and stop me if i'm wrong but something will happen something big and then it's just like okay time to go and you just kind of like w- get whisked off to the next thing it feels like there's no real pause but i don't know if that's just because i'm pressing the 
the A button so fast. <laughs> like, we won't stop it. talking. Yeah. I felt the original Super NES way game was that way. Like you would just end up in new parts of the game without any real explanation of why. But I feel like the retranslations did a better job of filling in sort of the the spaces between oh, so those plot events and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, that was that was my perception. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the story is is kind of silly. Like everyone just randomly commits suicide for a noble cause. Yeah. Like Yang doesn't doesn't Yang kill himself like three times? <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe at least two? twice. At least twice. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the game, he's still alive. So is everybody else except yeah. Tella. Oh, right. He died uh, a natural death, I guess. Yeah. But, but with the re-releases, they fixed some of that, right? I mean, you get the twins back in the advanced version, right? Well, the twins um, come me. back from their stone status at the end of the game. Yes. Because everyone gets together and they're all like, let's pray for Cecil yeah. while he's on the moon. Clap your hands if you believe yes, in exactly. Him. Yeah. And um, so, you know, all the characters except Tella ended up not being dead. Uh, for the end of the game in the original version but yeah in the advanced version once you beat the game you can go back and you could take the twins or you could take um yang or you could even take edward who turns out to be an amazing character in the post game which is, is he now known as gilbert did they no they, him... they always kept him edward. okay squares yeah. never really changed any names back they've stuck with the original hmm. localizations so for its character names to Aerith, Aerith. uh except Aerith. yeah, yeah. So it seems like a, mis- a mistake or no. a preference by somebody her name is Aerith. Aerith. yes <laughs> yeah just like, like a problem movie. sir uh yeah actually uh, like how do we feel about the constant suicide slash like noble death <laughs> motif going on in this game like jeremy said everyone kills themselves in this game just on a whim even like i love uh the character of uh sid because he just is like this just like giant bear of a man with a huge beard and he hits people with hammers and then when it's time to kill himself he's just like he grabs onto a bomb doesn't he and he takes, it's like yeah he like takes dynamite jumps off an airship he plummets into a volcano and explodes. He Doctor Strange loves that thing. And later he's like, ah, I'm okay. Yeah, he's like the crustiest, Whoa, like toughest crap. dude in Final Fantasy, I but think. But you only have like 600 hit points. What's the deal? Hmm. That was a cool uh, death in Final Fantasy. I mean, did you guys think that cheapened the, whatever story was there? I, it, even as a kid, it seemed ridiculous to me. And then they were all alive at the end. I just yeah. like, it became, a, it became a joke, I think, by yeah, the time like you got to the later suicides. It's very like comic booky where there's really no stakes. Like, you know, when someone's yeah. going to die, they're still going to come back. Like Final Fantasy VI handled suicide well, I thought, in, uh, with uh, Celeste yeah, uh, jumping off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, but this game, it was more like just, <laughs> I don't know what they were See, thinking. It's, it's weird because it's the first game I remember where that happened. Uh, I don't think I'd played that many games where like these characters were like sacrificing themselves or maybe falling over each other in some cases to sacrifice themselves. I don't and know. I don't really remember but, uh, um, the I, localization cleaning any, any of that up either. It's not no. like we can see their parachutes, a.k.a. Dragon Ball Z or whatever. It's like oh, they're exactly. sleeping in the corner <laughs> yeah, over there. Yeah, no. like the yeah. G.I. Joe, uh, the Cobra Troopers who parachute out of their airplanes. Mm. I remember they only uh, blow up the planes themselves, but not the people. Yeah, I just remember like it. it I don't know. I, I just hadn't played something where that happened. Like it felt like this really big kind of deal, um, or at least I can't remember a game where it felt memorable. Um, yeah, Luigi wasn't a suicide bomber. No, <laughs> yeah, it was just like holy. Cow. Or even when the twins like sacrifice themselves, don't they do that to stop the walls from like closing yep. in to like yeah. kill you? And it was just like, whoa, that's that's crazy. And um, you can bring up a menu to heal them, but it's like they're doing it of their own free will. You cannot heal them. Yeah, yeah. So I thought exactly. that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on uh, to the question that brought, was brought up earlier. What is the best version of this game? There are several. This game has been so re-released. Uh, first release, SNES. Then we have I'm PlayStation. Say the, the Wonder Swan version is the most amazing. Wonder Swan, Game Boy Advance, DS, and PSP. I'm probably missing some cell phone port or something. But there's also Virtual Console. Virtual Console, right? And that uses the old translation, correct? Of course, yeah. of course it does. Yes. Uh, GBA. What do you think? Best version? 
That's what it seems to be the to US me. The US <clears throat> version of that is not the best version because it has an active time battle bug, mm. where, which causes certain actions just to not happen. Okay. Which is good when the enemies somehow lose a turn, but bad when it's your party that somehow loses a turn. Yeah. Uh, the European version fixed that, so that might actually be the best version of the game. So Europe got off lucky on that one. But I like the DS version a lot because it is a game designed for people who have played the crap out of Final Fantasy IV. Me too, yeah. And it's like, okay, so you think you know how to win Final Fantasy IV. Well, guess what? I'm going to kick you in the groin and you're going to cry. But you know what? Augments can go right to hell. Yeah, Augments are just a bad idea. The fact that you can only, like, yeah, the the limited New Games Plus uh, to create the ultimate party, that's pretty retarded. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking with that. that uh have you guys played any of the other versions of this game and if so what do you think about that yeah i've gotten uh furthest in the game Boy advanced version mm. uh and i liked it i never i never realized any of the bugs that jeremy was mentioning hmm. maybe i just wasn't paying enough attention maybe you didn't uh, play the original version that yeah, thoroughly yeah yeah. yeah yeah that could have been it uh and i never played the ds version but hmm. it sounds kind of uh, intimidating right now i gotta say about, i don't want to get kicked in the balls there are a lot of voiced uh <laughs> cut in that game yeah uh, I, I like them Oh, wow. I mean, I think, I mean, the story is cheesy to begin with, but I think giving them this sort of like anime melodrama flair kind of made them, I don't know, it was fun viewing the story from like a different perspective or yeah, a different yeah. like way of telling it. The, uh, the Square did that kind of thing just with three and four, correct? Uh, the DS versions? Three had no voice cutscenes, but uh, had it had the same visual style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Weird Animal Crossing ish. Yeah, yeah. Roll. And the uh, the localization on the DS version is totally different than any other version. That's right. Mm. It was relocalized from scratch, and uh, has a much more sort of like post Shakespearean feel to it. Yeah. As opposed to the typical, hey, let's go on adventure, let's kill stuff. So it was um, like the Evilese style. It was very Evilese-ish, yeah. but not quite as uh, not quite as convoluted. Yeah. The English was a bit more uh, straightforward. But it was somewhere between uh, evilly style and just, you know, contemporary English. So we're going to say go for GBA or GBA is like a, a really well, improved version okay. of the original. And the DS one the, is like a retelling sort of. Don't go over the GBA one because uh -oh. one, the US version is bugged. Mm. And two, the PSP version is based on the GBA version oh, yeah, all the way duh. down to the script. Uh, plus it has the extra stuff that you may or may not want to play. But it's basically the GBA version without the bugs, and it has stupider-looking graphics, but, you know... Can you turn off the stupid graphics? You can't. You oh. can't go back to the original retro style. That's no fun. You can choose between original soundtrack and remix soundtrack, though, so definitely go with the original uh, Super NES sound font. Hmm. I do want to bring that up. I mean, how, how amazing is the soundtrack? I know, like, I feel so, like... So... It's good. How do you amazing. say uh, his name? I always get it wrong. Uimatsu? Yeah, Nobuo. Yes. Nobuo. Nobu oh, what have you done, Nobuo. Bob? Nobuo. Nobuo. Uimatsu. A lot of vowels in that name. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like his opus was sort of Final Fantasy VI, but Final Fantasy IV is very, very, a very, very strong soundtrack. Just like thinking of the boss themes, I can hum them all to this day. And to me, no other music has given me more of an oh shit feeling than that than those boss themes in Final Fantasy IV. There are two of them at least, right? Yeah. And one is just a normal boss battle. Both are just fantastic. Like There's two of my also, favorite 
the Zero Mist theme mm-hmm. and the standard battle theme. Those are good as well. And then some kind of weird incidental battle themes, like the first time you fight, or the first phase of the Calcobrena battle has yeah. that like creepy... Yeah, really Elfman-esque. Uh, I mean, that's an obvious inspiration. You said John Williams as well, and like the prog rock, obviously, that informs his entire career. But there are some very strong compositions, way more complex than anything we had heard at that point. Like, I still remember, and I'm sure a lot of us share this memory, going into a cave for the first time, mm-hmm. hearing that really atmospheric music. Super Danny Elfman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's just like so there stirring. There needs to be a video game called Super Danny Elfman. Super Danny That'd Elfman. <laughs> you're just literally attached you to Tim around. Burton. Yeah, you're like, you're like the Kuato to Tim Burton. <laughs> oh my god, You're stuck horrifying. in his stomach humming songs. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, soundtrack. Anyone else, else want to weigh in on this? I mean, it's just it's it's really good, and I think it's overlooked as far as things that he has done. I think six is definitely overshadows it, but it, this should not be overlooked. Yeah, no. And I, you're gonna hear a lot of music during this show, by the way, probably too much. I but completely agree with it. that it does get uh, it gets overlooked. Hmm. Uh, by I don't. A lot of other I don't really think it does. I think uh, by most either. people. By uh, whom? Like uh, uh, people have a lot of love for Final Fantasy IV soundtrack. Yeah. Hmm. I don't hear it as much as six. Yeah. Hmm. I hear it more than six. Really? Like, when know. you're at the grocery yeah. store? What, yeah, 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 when I'm chatting up the uh, yeah. Protoss guy, yeah. like, hey. Yeah, Trader Joe's is all six. Jeremy, you're late. I was just hitting a gong music yes. style. Yeah. So, yes, um, we did, Have you ever heard of Final Fantasy IV Celtic Moon? Yeah. Like, that was... Uh, that was great. That was pre Square m- getting into that weird Celtic phase with all their music. It wasn't, it wasn't Square. It was, that was just uh, Yasunori Mitsuda. Oh, uh, wait. He like, was involved with that? Oh, wait. No, no that was just no, him I getting just involved with the Celtic stuff. Thing. Got it. Yeah. Like, Yasunori Mitsuda is, I love Ireland and their music. Let's buy some flutes. He was truly the lord of the <laughs> dance. Yes, exactly. <laughs> In the 90s. The steel whistle. That is the, the official instrument of no, uh, Yasunori Mitsuda. We do have to wrap up our, uh, our discussion before we move on to comments. I want to know, like, what is it about this game that is compelling Square to release it so many times? Is the technology is simple enough to emulate? Or is there something about it that is important or resonates with Final Fantasy fans? I'll tell you one thing, it's more important than 7. Oh, snap. Whoa. Yeah, I said it. Well, at least if you look at how they've handled it. I mean, it's it's been re-released so many times, whereas 7, they have never gone near it again. Oh, we're Jeremy's frowning. Version. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just there's a very simple, pragmatic reason that Square keeps going back to this game, and that is because the head of like the portable and mobile development is Takashi Tezuka, or not uh, nice. Tokita, sorry. Yeah, Takashi, Tokita. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if Tezuka worked at Square? That'd be so sad. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Tokita, who was the original scenario writer for the game. His, and his helped, like, co-director. Credit is designer. And yeah. he was director on Chrono Trigger, I guess, too. Yeah. And um, so this game was his baby, and he's the guy who's in charge. This and Final Fantasy III. And he's the guy who's in charge of creating these remakes and this content. So... Of course, he's going back to the well to his own work. So the reason is nepotism. And he keeps not even nepotism. It's his baby. Like the fact that they haven't done five and six is not. uh, I asked him about this, and it's not because like he doesn't like those games. It's because those were other people's games, Mm. and he doesn't want to. I guess be presumptuous enough to tweak with them, to mess with them, to change them. To stop writing bad scripts and remake Final (sighs) Fantasy VI. Katase doesn't write scripts anymore. I thought he still did. Uh, That's. Nojima? No, Nojima okay. hasn't worked there for a while either. Uh, Motomo Tori- Toriyama. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so uh, Tokita has, I think, has moved on beyond Final Fantasy IV. That's um, good. You know, they did the Final Fantasy IV after years, that kind of thing. That was his project. 
But now the next game that he's worked on has been Final Fantasy Dimensions, which was called Final Fantasy Legends in Japan, and it's an iOS game. Right, and I didn't it's basically see that. it's basically him making Final Fantasy V. Oh, oh, okay. So I didn't, you're selling a, it like that. I'm interested now. I just saw it at the Square booth at E3. I'm like, what is this? And yeah, you told it's, me it's Wait. Tokita's Final Fantasy V. Basically, hmm. it has a job system, but it's iOS, so it's kind of clumsy. Yeah. So you yeah, take four isn't on iOS, is it? That hasn't happened yet. Uh, I think it is. Hmm. I want to say, yeah, I know three is for sure. I'm just yeah. not sure about four. I don't think four has. It seems like that happened. would make perfect sense for them to do that. Well, Jeremy checks. Yeah, while well, yeah. Jeremy checks it out. Sorry. I have one final there. thing. And Jeremy brought it up. There was a Final Fantasy IV sequel, guys. It yes. was called The After Years. Two sequels. It, compl- two sequels. 1.5 sequels. 1.5 yeah. sequels. So let's talk about The After Years. Uh, anyone play this besides me? I have it, but I have not played it. Okay. I put like four or five hours into it. Yeah, same and, here. And uh, I was happy to let you write the review blogs <laughs> for it. Yeah, I, I actually I did do that for One Up back in the day, but mm-hmm. it, it was a, it was a cell phone game that did not translate very well to, I guess the Wii WiiWare or whatever. Well, it was a WiiWare game, yeah. When they uh, released it here. Yeah, right? the yeah. thing is, the game was built entirely around. Um, okay, there are these chunks of plot for every episode, but I think the point of the game was to explore these optional dungeons. Um, at the end of the episode and you're supposed to go through these multiple times because they're full of these very very difficult enemies that can kill you in one hit but when you get to the end of the dungeon you can open a treasure chest sometimes there's nothing in that treasure chest sometimes (laughs) there's a very important item specific to the character devoted in that chapter so let's say i'm playing through it as rosa or whoever and i'll go through the dungeon and like i'll go through it once and i'll get one piece of armor go through a second time get nothing these games were designed for bored people on on like subways and trains to like just that's tinker so what with about something. As a, what about as an epilogue? I mean, does it bring anything to the table? I didn't think so because immediately I mentioned Rosa and I'm like, wait a minute, was she even playable? Because um, there's a problem and Cecil makes Rosa stay at home. Like, you can't handle this. I'm Cecil. Like, she was with you the entire time. She helped you beat the last boss of Final Fantasy IV. Why can't she come with you? It just seemed very like. A step back and how I knew those characters. If you it die, like who Advent- will make my sandwiches? It sounds <laughs> like a Advent Children to me almost. Yeah, like the like, same kind of problem, right? Where as Does a Rosa at any point say, dilly dally shilly shally? Uh, oh, that God. doesn't happen in the three <laughs> why, episodes why I played. Why did you do that? I forgot that even happened. <laughs> <laughs> Jose is brandishing a, a marker in Jeremy's throat. <laughs> yeah. I have to make you sick. So sad. I feel like that was a huge misstep and it could have been a little cooler than it was. Maybe not so much focused on the terrible optional dungeons and a little more on you know interesting games but do we know if uh tokita had a had a major hand i think in those jeremy just happening? said yeah, uh, that, that was his baby yeah. mm. no even the after years yeah, and, and that, all that that stuff? was his baby the whole series literally four. he said when i interviewed him last year he said the idea behind the after years was that final fantasy had been final fantasy 4 had come you know like 20 years before that and he had you know he's older now he has a family he has children so he wanted to revisit that universe from the perspective of you know someone who had matured who had a family now and had different priorities in life yeah so it's literally his baby so if it's his baby who's his who's the midwife and why did this person not step in and say hey what are you doing with this game you got a breach here <laughs> baby's coming out the wrong way i'm just saying like someone does someone pull damage control and say hey bub like this is not this is not fitting i mean according to what bob is telling me i i have yet to finish for but um, I, I I hope to one day. But if there's nothing after it, I'm just gonna look at this collection. And go well, yeah, it was a good idea in theory, just not in practice. Yeah, yeah. I was excited about it. I bought it out of my love of Final Fantasy IV, but I was, I guess, not obsessed enough to follow through with the remaining nine chapters or whatever. Yeah. And then it ended up on PSP. Oh yeah, it's yeah, all on PSP. Right now. The interlude. Yeah. Oh, there's oh that is that the other half of the sequel. Okay, gotcha. Yep. It's basically like three hours that connects. Final Fantasy IV and the After Years. If mm. for some reason you would ever want that, I need to know. <laughs> so tell me more about Theodore. 
Oh God, Theodore. Yeah, was that a, was that a mistransliteration from Theodore, or did someone really just say? Uh, I think so, because okay. um, there is no th sound in Japanese, yeah. so a lot of times it's presented as she. Yeah. So yeah, Theodore also, would be Theodore. Is it Ridia or Lydia? Let's be honest. I'm, I like I'm pretty sh- I like Rydia better. Rydia feels a little more foreign and interesting, but I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be Lydia. Oh man, English? Like, yeah, that's it. The LR I thing. I had no idea. Was that simple? Yeah, I'm. It, it might have been Lydia in someone's mind, but yeah. I, I like the name Rydia better. Rydia is cool. It's more distinct. All right, let's that move and, on. And I prefer Tara over Tina. Oh, I do too. <laughs> and uh, and Sabin over Mash. Mash, Mash you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to listener comments. We have quite a few, but we Sorry, get through I, them all. I, I need um, some kind of Final Fantasy spinoff that is uh, Alan Alda as Sabin. Making maudlin wisecracks about the horrors of war in uh, in the Kingdom of Figaro. This isn't a war, it's a murder. <laughs> Still from Futurama, sorry. Uh, listener comments. Notable because of restraints as Chuck the Plant. Uh, he says it works because it's short. Final Fantasy IV stood out in the early 90s because of its technical innovations. It maintains popularity today because it marries a solid game with purposeful brevity. The story moves briskly. There's a constant sense of progress and character development. Very few moments feel like filler. The simple scenario and battle mechanics of Final Fantasy IV become assets when paired with parsimonious restraint. Wow. Thank you for using that word, Chuck the Plant. Is it really parsimonious? That seems like a negative trait. That feels like, I don't think it's miserly. I think it just was a, out of necessity that it was sh- okay. short. Mm. All right. Yes. <laughs> but we agree. I mean, that's pretty much what we said throughout the podcast, correct? Yeah, There's but no I mean, I don't here. know. Like, I get a little bit of Ebenezer's, Ebenezer screws when I think parsimonious. Mm. Maybe yes. not. We, we, we disagree with your word choice, Chuck the Plant, but like, with your overall sentiment. I don't think sentiment. Final Fantasy IV is a game that, that uh, clips coupons and takes them to the farmer's market. <laughs> Reuses tea bags. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, Essence of Final Fantasy says Yagami-kun. Uh, Final Fantasy IV may not be the best looking or even best playing Final Fantasy game, depending on the fan you talk to. The one thing any fan will not debate is its importance in not just defining the shape of one of gaming's most influential series, but it went much further and created a template for all other JRPGs to follow for over a decade. A masterpiece in its own time in the very definition of a classic now. I think he's correct in that it's sort of set up a template that Final Fantasy VII would soon replace, I don't know, later later in the decade. Do you guys agree with that? Final Fantasy IV set up, like, this is what a console Japanese developed RPG should be. Other other developers followed suit. Final uh, Fantasy VII came out. I don't think Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy template was adhered to quite as slavishly as mm. most Americans perceive. Like, that was the kind of game that we got over here a lot. But, um, I don't know, like, you look at games that weren't localized uh, in the Super NES era, and there's a lot of first-person dungeon crawlers. There were there are more Dragon, Quest, Dragon clones? Quest clones? Okay. Those were more an 8-bit thing, but yeah. you know, Dragon Quest still had quite a bit of mindshare even into the 16-bit era. Um, yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy was not the, the sole template for 
for RPG design, but it definitely had a huge impact. It did. Uh, and the Final Fantasy series did not move beyond the Final Fantasy IV template for a decade. Right. It was until Final Fantasy X came out that they were finally like, hey, let's do something different. And they did. They did. And people seemed to like it. Except for Blitzball. <laughs> I know a few of you like Blitzball, but I don't. Let's go move on, uh, let's move on to another comment. Uh, uh, Elkovsky says, well, dot, dot, dot. You can't kill the final boss in one hit, as in about half of the other games. That has to be worth something. And I agree, um, because Final Fantasy V, you can just throw money at X-Death, right? You can't but kill him in one hit, though. You can kill him in a few hits. Mm. What, what he's saying is, like, the, I guess the final boss isn't as... You cannot break the game in that sense. I guess you can level up, but it still will take a few, you know, tries to get through all of his forms. There are two forms, right? So, so. You've uh, said yeah. you've broken the hell out of six, right? Oh, yeah, or six, three? like, yeah. Uh, what is it, offering in Genshi Gloves or whatever? You get you get eight attacks. Oh, six, I, I can actually... You can actually beat um, six's final boss, not in a single action, but with one character that doesn't allow anyone else to take a move by abusing the spell Quick and uh, Elixirs to refill your magic. Because Quick gives you three uh, actions without anyone else moving, so... You cast quick, you make two actions, your third action, you uh, cast quick again, just keep a loop going. That's, Damn. That's well, kind of sad. Take that, Kefka. <laughs> Suck it, one winged angel, <laughs> part one. Cutelgore 2 says, a classic in every sense. Final Fantasy IV holds a special place in my heart as being the first RPG I ever played. I didn't even know the difference between white and black magic back then. Despite the butcher translation of the American SNES version, I was wowed at the sight of a video game with an actual story behind it beyond, quote-unquote, saving the princess. How many times did I play through that game over four ports trying to get the crystal ring, the pink tail, Radius hidden summons, and all those other items you had? Like a 1 in 500,000 chance of winning from a rare enemy. Uh, my only complaint is that Squeenix has yet to produce a truly definitive version of FF4. They came close with the complete collection, uh, but the downgrade in graphics and lack of voice acting contained in the DS version was inexplicable and disappointing. But knowing Squeenix, they're already planning a 3DS version so they can release a Final Fantasy game in 3D for the first time. And that is from Cutelagore 2. He left out the frame rate with shit in 4 too, right? Wasn't there a problem with that? Final Fantasy 4 for DS? For DS, yes. Yeah. I think in I the mean, sense that... Because it's yeah, on DS. Yeah. 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 That every 3D game on DS is kind of mm-hmm. chuggy. Chuggy? <laughs> sorry. It doesn't for 4, but they are releasing the DS version of Final Fantasy 3 as a PSP game. Whoa. Oh. Is that weird? Yeah, that's, that's weird. weird. I'm Wait, trying to what? figure that's that like, out. That's some like next level Final shit. Fantasy 3 for DS is being released on PSP. But it's a port of the iOS version. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. could be true. The iOS version is the same as the DS game. Yeah, I figured yeah. so. Might, have you seen it or played it? No, I was I wondering if it runs any better. Uh, I haven't seen it in action. I've just seen screenshots. Okay. They just recently announced it, and they've only shown like still images of the FMV. So what the hell good does that do for yeah. us? Yeah. Right, I apologize for slightly derailing that. What, uh, anyone that wants to respond to that, I'm sorry. Uh, respond yeah, to, to his comment. I think yeah. uh, we, he just talking about how much he likes it. I mean, I just want to read his comment because he speaks to a lot of uh, things that are in the game that we didn't talk about, like the, the crazy rare items that were there for, I guess, crazy completionists. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. And the fact that the complete collection is not complete, which is something that we probably mentioned before, but it should be brought up again. Yeah. Let's see. Really quick comment by Day 8. Those Three Sisters is the title. Universal's first speed bump for many young 16-bit gamers. He's talking about uh, one of the first more challenging bosses in which you had to actively think about the battle system in that one of the the bosses would heal the other one. So you had to establish an order in which to attack them. And um, Not only that, yeah. but one of them would reflect magic at you, so you can yeah. just spam uh, area of effect attack. I have to spells. admit, the first time I played through this game, that was where I stopped for maybe 
five or six months because it was too hard for my tiny brain to handle. Yeah, I had that exact, not with this game. I had that moment with uh, when I first played Chrono Trigger. Like mm. when you first get to the future and you have to fight like the security like tripod Robot. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that same thing, like whatever age I played it at when I was like seven or eight or whatever, I could not uh, wrap my head around the fact that I had to kill these pods and then attack the middle and then the pods would heal. Yeah. Yeah, I like how they, I guess, I mean, I guess later, Final Fantasy Thirteen seems to turn the battle system into a puzzle game, and I feel like this is one of the first battle puzzles I played as an RPG, just in, like, order and the type of attacks you had to use. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I, I feel stupid for not having mentioned, because Final Fantasy IV did have the, the puzzle approach to bosses, mm. and it required a lot of thinking beyond just... What attacks do I spam the most? It was mm. more than just like what what's the elemental weakness, but what is their behavior? How do they counter? You had especially with the four fiends, uh, you had like Barbaris or Barbarisha or whatever she's called now, um, who would start spinning into the tornado, and you had to use Kane to jump at her and break her attack. You had um, there's the one with the Kane. spinning head too, uh, with the boss with the spinning head. Oh yeah, Asura, yeah. yeah. But um, Kainazo would uh, retreat into its shell and then spam a huge tidal wave at you unless yeah. you attacked it. And it would heal itself as it did that. Um, and also, uh, what's the, the fire guy? Uh, uh, Rubicant? Rubicant? Yeah. Yeah, he would close his cloak, and if you used fire magic against him when he had his cloak uh, closed, it would also heal him. Yeah, so it was like a matter of timing, too. But he was cool because he he healed you before the battle. Also, he was freaking huge. He was huge. But I mean, <laughs> he, had, he had this uh, he had this like interesting personality for a boss. He wanted a fair fight, so he heals up the entire party before the battle begins. That was very nice of him. Uh, it, <laughs> I don't know that that game did a lot to help define interesting bosses and make them something other than just bigger enemies that took more damage. I agree. That was really great. We have a few more comments to get through. We're almost done here. We have uh, by Xerxes with a three in it. I'm not going to pronounce that. Uh, JRPG purity is what he says. Let's say there's a college course, uh, JRPGs 101, and he says, listen up, University of Phoenix. It's a survey. <laughs> do you want to make more money? Sure, we all do. It's a survey, an introduction to the vast world of JRPG studies. It's its very first assignment. The introduction to the introduction should be Final Fantasy IV. Not because Final Fantasy IV is a masterpiece or a milestone, but because it is the purest iteration of the JRPG style and formula. It is the point of reference by which any other game in the genre can be discussed and understood. Tone, plot, everything. If there were a big angsty machine that cranked out JRPGs, Final Fantasy IV would be the default settings. Dying World? Check. Misappropriated European myths? Check. Suicide? Check. Uh, the first four Dragon Quest games were probably more influential, innovative, etc., but that series is so self-consciously Dragon Quest that it feels more like a genre unto itself. Final Fantasy IV feels generic, like an eight-piece box of Crayolas. There's no salmon pink, just red. And he wants to know what we think about this analysis. I think that he is discounting the existence of Megami Tensei. You just which, got served. Which did all the European myths misappropriated, along with every other kind of mythology. It did the dying world. It did all of those things back in the 8-bit era mm. and uh, refined it considerably for everyone by the time living, Final Fantasy IV came around. For everyone living in America town. Yeah, well... I agree. In your, your sad little American shanty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in your Hoovervilles. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's turning into. But yes, I, I really enjoyed your analysis, Xerxes. I agree with it. But it does discount like, what was going on in Japan that we were ignorant of until you right. know, I mean, the internet. We can discount that for us right? because that's not what we experienced, but... As far as, you know, the building stones of the game, the the things that it was constructed upon, you can't overlook all the other Japanese but RPGs that came up before Final Fantasy The University IV. of Phoenix probably would. 
They would. And that's why you shouldn't get a degree there. Please they don't. Would, they would just base a course around uh, Legend of Dragoon. <laughs> no! Dragoons and you. Neil Sama says, you spoony bards. What I remember most about this game is that it was an extremely fun introduction to RPGs. For me, at the same time, it was an extremely rough introduction to the genre. The original SNES translation was borderline nonsensical. Characters would sacrifice themselves, sometimes for no discernible reason. The events that make up the story almost had no cohesion. It's a good thing I was so absorbed in the battle system. Uh, but the most controversial aspect of this entry in the series has nothing to do with the gameplay itself. It's that it was named Final Fantasy II upon its initial release. And this is Bob Mackie speaking. That's also irritating when it comes to talking about this game. Even though we've all decided it's Final Fantasy IV, there's still some confusion. Back to the letter. Years later, after a variety of re-releases and remakes under its proper title, I'm still encountering people who refer to the game by the incorrect name. It's Final Fantasy II to me, they'll say. No, I retort. Final Fantasy II is the one where you attack your own party members to level up, but I digress. Who are these people, and where have they been? <laughs> like, I don't understand. I need a more Seinfeldian It'd reading. It'd be great if they, were like, if they were, like, so staunch in that that they call Final Fantasy VII Final Fantasy IV. Like, oh. they, just, they just go all the way. <laughs> that would be amazing. But, uh, yeah, that's also irritating. I don't think there have been any digressions in this podcast, because we assume our audience knows, but... It yeah. is sort of like a problem I've noticed in talking about this game. I don't think we need to put like little parentheticals when we talk about it anymore, but it used to be like you had to do that before yeah. these things were codified. Yeah. Uh, final comment. I am so sick of this I game. Like, I like how you say codify instead of codify because it sounds like you transformed it into a fish. It's delicious and fried. <laughs> I am so sick of this game, says... I'm not going to... I can't pronounce your names. I'm sorry. Uh, final <laughs> Fantasy IV is great, really. It's probably the most historically important JRPG of all time, considering how many of the game's mechanics still persist today. And it's still quite fun to play through, thanks to its well-paced plot and speedy battle system. That said, I hope to never see this game released ever again. I've played every version of the game by this point, save for the Wonderswan version, which is basically a bootleg version of the GBA game anyway. No. Uh-oh. Wonderswan Uh-oh. version came first. And is it exactly the same, except it's on very, a swan? It's very similar. Okay. Time-traveling bootleg. Although, it's not exactly the same, even in Japanese, because the GBA version was the first version of the game. I don't know why I know this that used kanji instead of just hiragana and katakana. So it was much easier for Japanese readers to like, mm. parse. Because you talked to Tokita. That's why you know this. Yeah, that, yeah. No, he didn't say that. Uh, he didn't give you that? All right. Tokita powwow. I just remember that being discussed briefly back when the GBA game came out. Okay. And anyways, he says, I'm sick of it. Honestly, it feels like Square's got some kind of metagame going on to see how many times they can release this damn thing and still sell it. Eight times. And I still get suckered in every time. Excuse me. Frankly, if Square were to release another, more complete edition of the game, I'd probably just down a bottle of Valium and blow my brains out. <laughs> damn. Wow. Talk about suicides. Uh, I seriously cannot deal with okay this damn game end. anymore. Yeah, he'll be okay. Just like the hole will heal up. You'll pray for Cecil. You'll be fine. <laughs> so yeah, we have a frying pan. Yeah, <laughs> we have some negativity, but I think we kind of, like, I guess, agree that we've seen this game a lot, and we just wish there was a definitive version. But they're all different, and none, none of them are perfect. I guess. Unless you get uh, retranslated ROM or something from the internet and play the original. I don't know. I don't know. It's nebulous. So let's but wrap even, things even up. Even that doesn't have... The original game doesn't have all the post-game content that they added to the GBA. How... I tried playing through some of that, and a lot of it was very tedious. Some Were there any, tedious, any good? Really good. Okay. I loved SIDS because it was basically like playing Crazy Taxi with an airship. Oh. <laughs> you, had to like, you found all these people. You flew around the world map, and there were all these people in different places, and they were like, take me to Fabul. So you'd pick them up, and you'd fly them over to Fabul. And, and you, you had the like offspring three... in your head? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you'd like, it was Dragula, but you only had three minutes to do it. Uh, That's great. So it was. It what was... did you get for finishing those? Uh, just like everyone's best weapon. Okay, I, I thought so. Yeah. So, yes, let's wrap up here. Uh, I didn't have any letters. I haven't gotten any recently. If you'd like us to read your letter on the show and or feature envelope art on our blog, please write to 
Rutchnots care of Bob Mackie, IGN.com, 625 2nd Street, 3rd Floor, San Francisco, California, 94107. Do today. Contact info. We are at Rutchnots on Twitter. I am at Bob Servo on Twitter. What about you guys? Do you want people harassing you via Twitter? Yeah. Go, am, Marty, go. I am at McBiggity. Jose. <laughs> at, <laughs> Wait, you should spell that because it is, it is tricky. M-C-B-I-G-G-I-T-T-Y. Yep. Double the B, double the G's, double the T's. It's like the Mississippi of Twitter names. Absolutely. Thank you. Jose. Uh, Jose Otero. There's an underscore in between. Mr. Parrish. Um, I'm going to let everyone figure that out themselves. It'll be a fun game. Yeah. If you win, you get access to Jeremy's inner thoughts and dreams. You get to see me making one stupid joke a day. (laughs) So, yes. Please subscribe to our blog. That's oneupblogs.com slash retronauts or retronauts.com spelled R-E-T-R-O-K-N-O-T-S.com. I'm sorry if that, that spelling drives you crazy. Uh, I do a blog post for each episode. I, I do a track listing for all the music you're going to hear in this episode, or you have heard in this episode. And we also have great posts unrelated to the show. And just read our site in general, guys. We had a great week this week, didn't we? I That's thought great. so. I think you should say the music you will and on have heard. Will and on? Is that like or the... will and will and have on heard? What kind of what tense is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, okay. you will find out. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to remember where that's from. The English language is not prepared for what I just said. <laughs> exactly. So. I'm trying to I'm trying to pave the way. Also, please keep the reviews and kind comments coming in on the iTunes Music Store, as you all know, and as I said millions of times, that helps our ranking and makes people aware of us, which they should be. Uh, so yeah, let's do some plugs. I am very proud of the video we did last week, and I think. About half the audience understood what we were trying to say, and I recommend you check it out because I like how it came together. How about you guys? Yeah, I thought that was excellent. Anything you personally put together, Marty, you want to throw um, out there? I didn't put it together, but uh, a freelancer of ours, Nikolai Atkins, uh, put up an article about what games can learn uh, from the film Shame, mm. and I thought it was really good. That was fantastic. Yeah. Jose and Jeremy, anything you want to throw out there worth uh, reading? Not something Any highlights? I worked on, but uh, we got a guest editorial from uh, someone who works in the games industry for a Japanese company. That is also fantastic. About, thank you. Yeah, that uh, was also really cool about uh, mainstream gaming and the male gaze. So check that out. Cool. How about you, Jeremy? I recommend reading oneup.com. It's amazing. Keep hitting F5. Every time you hit it, you get a chance to win valuable prizes. <laughs> Do you? Uh, we'll get back to you on that. We'll see you guys next uh, two weeks from now. Later. Later.